Today on The Topping Show, Bud Light releases an ad and of course it flops. Target turns out to donate to a group that promotes kids' transition without parental knowledge or consent. Target also has a Zoom meeting that leaked. Trump gains 13 points in the polls while DeSantis loses 10 points in the polls. New York City halts bank deposits for quote unquote, not fighting discrimination. MoviePass rises once again from the grave. Disney versus Comcast. Comcast launches a streaming service. All that and much, much more on The, T- the Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking time tuned in today. Today's episode of Topic Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-add reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going out to the business part of the podcast, you have Netflix users are irate and enraged as the password cracking leaks over into the U.S. for their policies. Users are actually quitting, arguing that they are paying to use the devices, not where they are with the devices, with the newest policy being Netflix is only going to give you a certain amount of devices in your home. So if you travel for work, you're, you're shit out of luck. Or if you have kids in college who are not in the household and you want to share passwords, too bad. They have to have a paid sharing plan, which comes in about $8 per month. Now, other countries have estimated that 25% of UK subscribers also share their passwords. And there are now 103 countries that this policy is rolled out to. The hypocrisy is a little unpalatable for most because Netflix famously, just winding back the clock a couple of years, in 2017, they were tweeting saying, to share a password is to love someone, or something cliche around that. Because at the time, the shareholders in the company wanted to build up the largest number of users. Regardless of profitability, they want to show that they have the biggest user base, which of course it attracts more investors because more people are using your product and your service. You see this with other media companies, especially social media companies like Facebook, Twitter. There are a lot of bots on those platforms, but there wasn't really much of an incentive to get rid of them because the bigger the platform looked, the more profitable they thought it could eventually become. Now, time shall tell to see how many people in the United States actually quit Netflix because of this policy. Again, it's a hyper-competitive industry now with more people having streaming platforms than you can count and less exclusive content. One of the reasons Netflix flourished is because they have these exclusive contracts with producers and licensing companies that hold the intellectual property for a lot of the materials, such as the classic TV show Friends. I believe a couple years ago, Netflix paid $100 million to license that intellectual property for one year because they knew people would be willing to pay for Netflix subscription on that show alone, and it did increase their user count at the time. So we'll see how long this the pushback is publicly. If more and more people quit, maybe they roll the policy back, but given the hyperinflation and just the cost of everything going up and the businesses needing to become more profitable, I suspect they're going to try to keep it in place unless a disproportionate amount of people quit. Speaking of lack of profitability, you have MoviePass coming back from the grave. Now, they went bankrupt a couple years ago, about, well, maybe about four years ago, they, rest in peace, they bit the dust. Now, the concept at the time was sound, it was an interesting idea. It was a situation in which users could pay a monthly subscription, at the time it was $10 per month, I believe, and they could see as many movies as they want, or no, I digress. The old deal was $9.95 per month, and they could see any movie they want. 
which of course they bled money as in they lost money and that's why they went bankrupt because it was a good idea like a really good idea for end users it helped them immensely especially moviegoers or movie fanatics uh, whatever they call themselves in terms of there's a club or name for everything but it allowed them to see a bunch of movies essentially for free because if a movie's ten dollars after three movies there's a lot of upside now MoviePass was paying the movie it was a shared situation where the movie theaters they weren't too happy too because they were getting some money back from MoviePass so it caused them to go bankrupt and now they're relaunching the idea now limiting it to about 4,000 movie theaters in the United States and now this is bad marketing the price is $10 per month which again it sounds silly but $9.99 like $9.99 psychologically seems cheaper than $10, even though after taxes, it is more than $10. But you see this in retail all the time. Go shop for anything at a store. You see milk is $2.98 for, for a gallon. You see water for, you know, bottle of water is 99 cents. It's always below that number because it sounds cheaper. For them not to just lower it by a penny, just to get that psychological edge and that advantage, that was silly. I can't believe they fell for that. That almost belongs in the business blunder, the section of the day. But another interesting thing is now you can only see one to three movies. And it's $10 per month. So as long as you see two movies, you're basically getting a good deal. Because I think the average movie ticket these days is between 9 and $13 per ticket. Of course, then you have to buy, or many people think they have to buy, you know, the concessions with the pop, the popcorn, which of course is where they make all their money and the profit. Most of the money when you go to the movie theater, the large part of that ticket goes to the actual producers of the movie. The movie theaters thrive on the actual concessions, which is why I see so many movie theaters expanding into alcohol products and all those high-end food products with even grilled hamburgers and what have you. It'd be nice if one of them did grilled salmon. But I digress. So it'll be interesting to see if this concept revived again. Will it be good? For, will it be a mutual win for the movie theaters as well as movie pass? Now, the other thing that MoviePass has to compete against now is the theaters themselves. So, very similar to Netflix, when the concept first came out, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't really a lot of competition for a item like a MoviePass. I, anecdotally speaking, I couldn't think of one, although I really don't see that many movies. But now, individual movie theaters, as well as movie theater chains, such as the big ones being AMC and Cinemark, they have their own subscription services so you can pay them, and of course you're limited to their movie theaters, but those companies have a plethora of movie theaters, with AMC being headquartered in Kansas, then you have Cinemark being headquartered over in uh, Plano, Texas. So it'll be interesting to see if, and the movie theaters did agree, I mean MoviePass is coordinating this with them, so time shall tell to see if this is an additional benefit, or I don't Given all the information that's out there, the competition, and just the trends of people seeing more and more things at home, I can't help but think this will just be returning back to the grave in a couple years later. Now, going back to the theme of streaming having an unlimited amount of competition, you have Disney and Comcast fighting over Hulu. Now, Disney will most likely purchase it because they have a majority share in Hulu. They have about 66%, so two-thirds share, so they have over a majority. And... Comcast currently owns 33% of Hulu. And in terms of a business blunder, Fox News, or Fox, they, of course, they invested in Hulu, and then they sold it off. Brilliant business decision. They had about 33% stake in the company. And, of course, now, 
Disney's going to have to buy out Comcast share for a pretty penny. Now, the controversy or the the back and forth discrepancies come with how they choose the valuation. Comcast is going to say, well, this is worth and this is worth way more than just the stock market price. And when you look at acquisitions throughout histor- history, you usually pay a premium, sometimes 10% over the current stock market value. So it'll be interesting to see where they where, where they actually choose. And more importantly, it took years, but Hulu just now became profitable for the first time, giving it an extra premium of value where many streaming services bleed for years, as in they lose money for years, hoping they'll actually make a profit similar to publishing music, magazines, even books. It's it's a rudimentary to say, but it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You have to hope that you find that one that makes it profitable. And of course, I think Hulu can be can be partially contributed because of the distribution rights for Rick and Morty. And I believe what's, there's a funny one with the aliens. I think it's Solar Opposites. They have a couple of streaming exclusivity contracts with a couple of those creators, which draws people to the platform. Now, right now you have Disney and Hulu, or sorry, rather Comcast, arguing what's the current value, and they're billions apart. So it'll be interesting if they come together. Comcast is also arguing that Disney is devaluing and diminishing Hulu's value because Hulu is not in international markets, which that seems to be a business blunder in and of itself. Again, this is a streaming service. It's not like you're shipping a book in the mail. With international e-commerce and commerce, you really just have to worry about local setting up. I believe you have to have local sales taxes for all the different countries. And as long as you collect sales taxes and pay those countries the taxes from that, most of them are pretty happy with you to actually do business with them. So it's interesting that Disney, of course, being a huge global company, why weren't they pushing Hulu to also have a huge global footprint? That's beyond me. Now, other business news, of course, more streaming. Comcast is going to launch their own streaming service called Now TV, which, eh, it's not the worst. I think the worst has to go to HBO Max, relabeling or renaming themselves Max. That's probably the worst name in terms of who the hell knows what that means. I mean, the pinnacle of the company, what made HBO unique was their, they were one of the first subscription models where they shipped you a box to get around the FCC because it wasn't being broadcasted publicly. It was your little cable box modem thingamajig. And instead of using that iconic name, HBO, which everyone knows, they chose, then they, mer- they, they, they became HBO Max. They go, uh, we're just going with Max, which also is a person's name, which also makes it more confusing. Business blunder again. But now Comcast is launching their Now TV, which also includes Peacock, which is, in my opinion, really only known because they were the company, NBC owns Peacock, which means they have the exclusive distribution rights for their intellectual property, which realistically is only known as The Office. That That's the big success they've had in the past couple of decades in terms of actual production where it made a profit and it was just a huge cultural hit and many people tuned in. And now Comcast can launch that, so Peacock will be included in Now TV. It'll cost $20 per month. Again, a marketing fail. Why not make it $19.99? What is with these companies not understanding basic human psychology around pricing? Are they do they really need that one penny? Again, it'll it'll probably be what is it? if it's $19.99 or even if it's $20, it'll be $21 or whatever it is after the tax, depending on your local sales taxes between city, state, local. But again, so that's gonna be twenty dollars a month at a time where people are hurting fiscally speaking, hyperinflation, 40 year high. 
and you have all these streaming platforms competing for the end user's dollar, do people really want to pay one extra? So this will start off being for mainly for their Xfinity, Xfinity internet customers, but I suspect they're going to want to grow that platform eventually to go to all users. Needless to say, I think people are going to, the piracy rates these days for media, you might have a resurgence of LimeWire, which was a defunct BitTorrent um, torrenting platform back in the day. They might still be around, but so this is going to have 40 channels or 40 live channels and 40 free channels, which are supported with advertisements. But again, how many streaming services, how many streaming services do people need? You, I mean, so much of people's lives, just watching all that, although tuning into this is invaluable and I highly recommend it, but I also say, you know what the best streaming service is? A book. It's great, there's, there's no commercials, you can flip when you want, you don't have to worry about adjusting the volume, maybe the light in the ceiling, but again, how many streaming services do you need? I'm a little old school, but pick a book. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Target, headquartered in Minnesota, one of the most long, well-known retailers in the United States. Well, it turns out the controversy grows deeper as people found out that they donated to a nonprofit $2.1 million. That's a lot of cash. And it turns out that is a, this is a fan, what's a nice way of saying problematic? I know that, that term is overused and be, to beyond all belief, but it's pretty controversial for many people, especially conservatives, Catholics, Christians. Now, this group is called Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, also known as GLESEN, G-L-S-E-N. There's so many acronyms these days. I swear some people just use it to sound smart. That would be a good, instead of a dictionary, just a, di a dictionary or a book just with every acronym. But it would never end because there's more and more. more. I, I digress. Now, specifically, this organization helps teachers put LGBTQ books in public schools. They also, now the big controversy, that is controversial in and of itself for many people. The biggest controversy, which is having a lot of people become irate and fueling the boycott of a business that's already lost $9 billion in valuation with their stock drop. Now, this encourages educators to hide student intent to undergo gender transition. So they wanna hide that from parents and other school employees. So this group promulgates that ideal and Target is giving them millions of dollars. Now, one of their, this is straight from a school's website. So this is publicly published data and this nonprofit took that quote and it's something that they advertise as their belief. Now this quote, perhaps, well, let me, let me just read it to you. Now, this quote says, staff or educators shall not disclose any information that may reveal a student's gender identity to others, including parents or guardians or other staff, unless the student has authorized such an order. The info is contained in the school records. Re request by parent or guardian or there is a compelling need, unquote. Now, I can't think of a single situation where it's appropriate to hide information from the parents. One of the brilliant political decisions Ron DeSantis made was giving the Parental Rights Act or signing off on that. 
Of course, it has a fancy acronym I can't remember, but it basically says it's illegal for the parents to not have full information of what their child is being educated as well as what the child is being promulgated with with teachers. Again, I don't know how this is controversial for parents to know what their kid is being instructed and what the kid is expressing. Why on earth you'd want to hide that? Well, there's ulterior motives for sure. But this is yet another reason a lot of people are starting to boycott Target, which a lot of people are saying it might not be an easy thing to boycott because you need to shop there. They have staples, as in they have, you know, the basics you need to live, which is the most hilarious and raw, hilarious and wrong statement I've heard in years. Uh, I've, been boy I've been boycotting Target for 10 to 15 years, partially just because I look for the best ROI and I like to invest every penny I make back into the tech company I own and into this production. So you can buy everything you need at other retailers. Even if you like their proprietary, I say proprietary, the white label brands, the brand which they design in-house, you do not need that to live. It's beyond me how so many Americans do not know the definition of need. And they confuse that with the term want. Target provides an experience that you want. They do have, in terms of a retail experience, they have clean stores, good lighting, it's good marketing. And they do have some brilliant marketing ideas. The carts are not metal, they're plastic and rubber. So they go out of their way to provide a more premium experience than a standard grocery store or standard convenience store, but you do not need anything there. So it should be, if people have a little, just a modicum of self-discipline, easy to transition to literally any other store. Now time shall tell to see, because it is more difficult or different than Bud Light being boycotted because that, every store has that piss water. I mean beer, well, there's enough alcohol so it legally is beer, but the competition is literally inches away. So instead of choosing Bud Light, got some, get some Yalings or any other competitor, I mean, that takes so little effort that people can do. Time shall tell to see if they need to drive an extra couple of miles to get to another store. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news, Target, one of their meetings for their DEI, diversity, I forget the acronym, diversity, inclusion, which that shouldn't be, on its surface, I think that's a good idea. I think people should put a premium on diversity of opinion and not just solely focus on the race of folks. I mean, maybe I'm just a little irate because there's no Cuban national holiday or something like that. Nevertheless, it, this was a leaked. And you may notice, notice a couple interesting things about this and be concerned with brainwashing. There's, 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 a, there's a smarter term than that. But this is with the, C, uh, the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer and VP of HR at Target. So let's see what they have to say. It is important for us to also acknowledge that not everyone is going to believe or be bought into our strategies and our priorities on this topic. Now, quick note, and we will get to the point with technology where I can easily stream this into the background behind me with the video. But in terms of diversity, there's five women in this video. Them, a couple of them are different races, but they're about two, two or three of them are the same race, but well, there's no man in this video. So that's 
of the human population not being represented. And there's no Cuban man in there, so I, I don't feel it. I'm, I, I digress. But They just aren't. And so um, when we talk about leader accountability and the importance of representation and these strategies and these goals being integrated into someone's responsibility, um, like just to be really pragmatic and practical, then it becomes, okay, you don't nest like, we may not be able to change your mind shift on appreciating why this is important. But you do understand that as a part of your job responsibilities, you will lead inclusively, you will have representation on your team, you will be responsible. But where's my representation? It's not in this meeting. For these behaviors, values, and expectations. And it also, quite frankly, puts a light on the folks that don't believe in this, but emphasizes that you still have to do it to do this job, to be a part of this company. And eventually, um, you'll see it. Another issue that people don't talk about is group think. It's a phenomenon in which you get a group of people and they'll usually acquiesce to one opinion, which is a dangerous thing in terms of for companies to innovate, come up with new ideas. You need a little pushback. You need different opinions. It's one of the things that used to make America great was many people had different ideas. Diversity means more than just where, where your family came from, in my opinion. And some of the best teams I know have a diversity of opinion so you can bring new ideas to the table. You can all learn together. And I can't help but notice in this video, all these gals are just mindlessly just nodding along, not pushing back, not saying, well, what about not, not bringing up a new idea or not saying, are you, are you sure we should be programming people is, is what you're saying? Uh, and I know this is a little painful. We're almost done. Change in their mindset or they may leave and you know, that's a part of this process, too. This isn't for everyone. Well, what Wait a minute. That's, that's the opposite of your job. Your job is to be for everyone. It's in the name. Inclusion. What has to be for everyone is accountability. And ah. accountability comes with transparency. It's really important. I kill, it, comes, it comes with transparency, which is why we don't publish these videos. And we don't let people know what we're saying behind closed doors. And also... We, we're just gonna say one thing and do the other. Like when the CEO adamantly said, we're doing this we're doing this because it's the right thing for society, but then they decided to move all the merchandise to the back of the store and hide it. Which again, make a decision and stick with it. St stick to your guns, some might say. I mean, trying to have, trying to play politics usually does not work out well. And again, the issue with Target, I keep saying this again and again and again, it has less to do with the LGBTQ because they have had the initiatives where they have publicly funded parades and they have merchandise. They've had that for years. That's not the main controversy to this issue, I believe. The main controversy was the kids section and the kids swimsuits and the satanic materials. And when I say satanic, I'm not being bombastic or I'm not saying being hyperbolical. I'm saying it quite literally was. They had pins with Satan and they literally said Satan respects pronouns on the pin. You cannot get any more straightforward than that. So when people are saying, oh, you're just saying that people are just saying satanic because it's that. No, it's because it's literally on the merchandise. And the founder of that British UK, the UK based design company, he wears horns. He wears the, the different 
I'm not the best with branding knowledge for satanic materials, but he wears satanic materials and he's a self-proclaimed Satanist. So it's quite literally, that's the issue, in my opinion, that many people are boycotting Target for. Now, other interesting Target news, turns out, well, there's some lies about the violence that, of course, never happened. Now, when the controversy first came to the forefront, when people realized, wait, why are, why are there kids' materials with satanic pictures on it? You also have these transitional, I think, I forget if they call them trans swimsuits, or swimsuits designed for boys to tuck, not to get too graphic, but tuck their junk to look more feminine. This is all new to me, but that's when the controversy really came to the forefront. Now, when that happened, the CEO and Target, they all said, we need, we're moving the merchandise back, and we're gonna backtrack because conservatives are getting violent. I mean, they're threatening store employees, and yet, not a single example came to the forefront. You had one prospective client going to Walmart and said, why, why, and they didn't seem to be pushy, but they said, why are you having these satanic materials in here? Do you, are you satanic? And the, the target employee actually said, yes, she is satanic. I don't know if that was a parody that someone made because anyone with a red t-shirt can look like a target employee and print off a name tag. But that was the only thing we could find. And again, that's, they're not pushing over displays. They're not setting things on fire. Overwhelmingly on average, that's not what conservatives do. It's, again, so it turns out the Associated Press, who was one of the original reporters on that case, when they were the ones saying, oh yeah, it's all the violence. I mean, they're tearing down the displays, they're yelling, they're irate. Well, it turns out they actually self-censored or they went back and they fixed the website and they deleted some of that without actually publicly redacting the information or saying, hey, uh, everyone, we actually, um, we made a mistake. Which is, again, another reason to be skeptical when you hear about violence, especially on the right, especially when it's faith-based, because more often than not, they're just quietly praying to protests, whether it be pro protesting abortions or stuff like this. Again, show me the evidence and we'll see. But on average, that's why I'm a little skeptical when I hear about these companies. And it turns out, yeah, they were just basically using it as an excuse to acquiesce from responsibility. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have Trump gaining 13 points and DeSantis losing 10, which that's a big delta, big difference. Now, this is a poll from CNN that was performed twice, the most recent one being May 17th through the 20th. Now, they compare that to the poll that they performed between March 8th to the 12th. And the poll also said, on average, 53% of Republicans support Trump, while 26% of them supported DeSantis. Now, it'll be interesting to see, does that gap get wider throughout the campaign trail, now that Ron DeSantis has officially thrown his hat into the ring, so to say? So he's officially running for presidency. He had a flop in terms of his actual announcement on Twitter spaces in which, again, he was mostly monotone. And if you're giving the most important speech of your life, one would think you'd be a little bit more bombastic, energetic, enthusiastic. And of course, there's no visual because there's Twitter spaces. And then, again, in terms of a lost business opportunity, Elon should have invested some resources so that he can make it the first one with streaming image or video capabilities. That would have been done two things. One would have made the actual release with Sanchez much more powerful. You actually see him. 
And secondly, it also showed people how Twitter is increasing their capabilities as a business for, to provide additional resources and capabilities to their client base. However, I digress. A lot of people are noting a lot of Trump's social wins in terms of when he went to the town over in Ohio, when you had this, the trail derailment in which chemical spills were throughout East Palestine, Ohio, and the federal government was ignoring it. Now, in terms of politics, Trump did go on site within a couple of days. He actually went to McDonald's and bought a bunch of the workers and support staff a bunch of food, which in terms of a political move was quite brilliant because you get quite literally on the ground, you're supporting the community, you're putting a face to the, or people already have the face to the name, but it shows that he cares, which again, I know a lot of politics is optics, but in terms of political move, that's a brilliant chess move on his behalf or that he made. Now, DeSantis has gone to a couple of rallies. He's going, he went to Iowa a couple weeks ago, but he needs to go into overdrive to make up for that Delta after his speech. So that, again, Americans have a very short-term memory, especially when it comes to media and politics. So there's plenty of run, uh, run rate run rate not run rate there's plenty of uh, room on the ramp so to say for him to ramp things up and close that gap will he be able to time shall tell now other interesting political news new york city is halting deposits at major banks that are quote that are not quote fighting discrimination now specifically they're limiting deposits at capital one bank and key bank after they failed to submit plans demonstrating that their efforts or to, they have efforts to root out discrimination. Now, in terms of politics and business merging together or getting more involved together, this is one of the first instances I've heard of this. And it's quite interesting to see politics invade more and more businesses. And it appears they just forgot to turn in their paperwork like a child. Like, oh yeah, I forgot to turn this in. Also, I'd like to know what is their definition of discrimination? Is it faith-based, ideological-based, political-based? Is it race-based? What's the actual definition that they're going for? And is this part of their DEI score? Is this part of their ESG score? There are a lot of um, fiscal benefits and the reasons behind why businesses are doing those initiatives. Given the huge nationwide presence of Capital Bank, I'm skeptical that they actually have that they have a lot of discrimination because once you're a bank, everyone's money is green. You want the greatest number of depositors. You want the greatest number of people using your credit cards and all of your services as well. So you can make more and more of a profit, build a business and mutual beneficial relationship. So it'll be interesting to see how this story evolves, but for them to freeze their deposits, that's unprecedented. I have never heard that before. Time shall tell us see how that evolves. Now, Going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Bud Light releasing another ad. And yes, they've had a downhill battle, losing billions of dollars in stock evaluation. Their sales are down hundreds of millions of dollars. But maybe this ad will turn it all around because they, they're coming out with a manly ad, Re really manly. I'm talking about Harley, Harley Davidson out of Madison, Wisconsin. Now, I can't help but think Harley must have been this had to have been a long contract signed years ago or before the controversy with Bud Light that caused them to lose so much money. And the, 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 I just can't think that Harley didn't try like hell to get out of the situation. So you have a limited edition can. And I'm not a financial investor. I'm not a 
financial planner. I don't have a fiduciary responsibility. But a good rule of thumb is if something's ever sold to you to be a collector's edition or a limited edition, it'll never be worth any more than what you paid for it. More often than not, it's just BS. The only things that tend to go up in value are like supercars where they make one or two of the car and they call it a limited edition. But usually the limit is how much they can sell. It's not really a limited edition. And again, it's a beer can. So you're, someone might save it in, in terms of a novelty. Just be like, this is how Harley-Davidson destroyed their brand. Now, you have a Bud Light can with the Harley-Davidson logo slapped on there, which from a business perspective, prior to all the controversy Bud Light would have been good for Harley because they just get paid a royalty. They're basically just getting paid amount of money to put that logo on there and have their intellectual property licensed. So prior to the controversy, Bud Light probably would have been a good upside for uh, Harley. But think about who drives Harleys, which again is an issue for the company because their clients are dying. I don't mean to be too literal, but that is what's happening. That's why they came out with an EV motorcycle to try to attract a younger consumer in a different market as they diversify their portfolio. But for many years, Harley's had an aging, ever-increasing customer base, and they're trying to figure out how do they pivot. Is this how they do it? I highly doubt it, but let's listen to this fun ad. Oh. Yeah, he's lifting up a... So they're actually lifting up a motorcycle with a... It looks like a pump, so he's slamming his foot down in order to raise a hydraulic lift for the motorcycle. Legacies are built with grit and resilience. <laughs> One detail at a time. Limited edition Budweiser Harley-Davidson cans. For those who give everything to their craft. This Bud's for you. No, it's not. You're not their target customer. They, and the crazy thing is, Harley, this is not a cheap thing for Bud Light to do. Harley-Davidson is one of the most premium brands in terms of just they don't do a lot of licensing agreements to begin with usually don't see their t-shirts at random malls you have to go to the dealership to get an authorized authentic you know harley davidson t-shirt and that t-shirt probably costs more than lunch i think it's like 40 50 bucks it's because they put a premium price on their brand their intellectual property is a huge value of the company and to just slap it on a cheap beer that you're going to throw away after you drink so the, logo's, the logo is literally getting thrown away in the dustbin or the trash bin if you're American. But, and of course the guy had a beard, which beards are always manly, so that's an upside. But it's just one of those things where this is going to make Harley look bad. Bud Light right now is radioactive from a business perspective. Everything that touches them is decreasing their sales. All the brands that InBev owns, which is the parent company over in Belgium, they're all decreasing. All their brands are going downhill as more and more people realize, oh, wait a minute, Bud Light's not a standalone business. They're owned by Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch is owned by InBev. So there's a big, big effect when you throw the little pebble in the pond, you have that ripple effect. All of those brands are getting infected and decreasing in sales. And again, prior to the controversy, the average Bud Light drinker, Budweiser drinker, I'm guessing either frat boys or older gentlemen, which... Harley, that's kind of their customer profile on average, that might make sense, but right now, yeah, this is a business blunder. Harley, Harley's already been made fun of with South Park, where they said only people, only the F word 
drives a Harley's and they, you know, they all make loud noises and are obnoxious, which, eh. But this is just going to multiply that effect even more. And again, diminish the value of the brand, which again, there are a lot of motorcycles out there, but a big value add or a big premium that people put on it is the name, the brand, the American heritage has been built in Wisconsin for over a hundred years. I mean, that, that is a huge achievement, especially for a business to have a manufacturer presence in the United States. That's prohibitively hard, which is why you have to have a greater price in the competition because your overhead's a lot greater with labor, all rules, license regulations, but they've done it. They've still been in business and they are profitable. So it'll be interesting to see if this has a short-term effect on their sales cycle, if it decreases sales at all, but for Harley to go out of their way and to sign this licensing agreement, and not, I can only assume they tried like hell to get out of it once there's a controversy around Bud Light, but either way, just having that partnership right now when it's Bud Light is at the peak of their radioactiveness, that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking time to tune in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things helps the channel grow and develop. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your enemies, heck, tell your coworkers, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.